ready for your weekly tech fix? Want to know how technology sets us free? Well, get ready because here it comes. specials about history, science, and technology, then get on your best headphones because you might want to lay down for this. A Sovereign Tech special with the world's foremost anarchist technophile, Brian Sovereign. He has a huge, well, you know. And now here's Brian. That's right, the Golden Stallion here, ready for another great, great episode of Sovereign Tech. A nice special here for you. I promised him. I said, I'm going to have guests, nothing but the finest. And we've got one of the finest here today, in my opinion. Uh, Dante, you're here with me. I am indeed. Awesome. Uh, Dante is a friend of the show. And I actually, I met Dante at Porkfest, Porkfest X, um, though where I met him well, I, I met him earlier on, but but one of the places we hung out, uh, they really should have called it Pork Fest Triple X. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And it was, <laughs> and it was at the, the the fabled, much. You know, I always hear that it's there that like there's that this there's a sex dome somewhere at Pork Fest, and yet you can never find it. But this year, it was actually there. Oh yeah, it was there. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely there. Now, how, what did what did you think of it, Dante? I I thought it was amazing. I thought it was uh, really nice. It had a really good vibe to it. Yeah, it was like comfortable, not creepy at all, right? Yeah, not not creepy at all. Everyone was very, you know, chatty. People talking. You know, it had it had some base rules, which were nice. You know, it was a good mm-hmm. break. You know, after a whole day of, you know, either debating or arguing or you know just conversing. Yeah, right on. I mean, you know, there was all the, you know, the talks all day or whatever else is going on, some kind of event. And then you could just, you know, go to the, go to the sex dome and, and chill. I mean, and that was, that was running all day, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think during the day there were sometimes shows. I never got a chance to make it to any of them. But yeah. I didn't catch any of the shows either. Yeah. There, there were a couple of fun shows, I guess. And then, but most of it was at night, I guess. Hell yeah, yeah. So now, Dante, you would describe yourself. I mean, you're you you're an anarchist. You're uh, perhaps of of a libertine flavor. Oh yeah, indeed. Both, absolutely, both are very true. Yeah, <laughs> right on. I love it. See, and this this is why you know how could I not have a fellow libertine on the show? I, I think that's fantastic. Anarchist, um, liberty, libertine, atheist. Yeah, the whole thing. atheist, the whole the whole spiel. Yeah. Perfect. You, you you can't beat it, folks. You're you're getting two top nerds for the price of one or for the for the price of one audio i should say <laughs> uh which which is great um so awesome and and it was great it was great to meet you at pork fest and i really you know we, we've talked here and there you know online and and i couldn't wait uh you know really to, to get you on the show at some point because i know you you hold a ton of the same interests as far as science and technology all of which i know we're going to talk about um and even gaming, that was the thing I think we talked about the most at, at, at Porkfest, you know. Uh, so if, if people are wondering, you know, hey, is there going to be someone like like me? And I don't mean like Brian Sovereign. I mean, is there going to be someone that holds my same interests, you know, in, in the future, um, you know, in, in atheism and anarchism and gaming and all that good stuff? Believe me, 
they're there. They're at Porkfest. They're in New Hampshire. They're they're all over the world. We just got to kind of connect with each other. That's all. So anyway, so now, Dante, you brought some great stories with you, um, I understand. And let's let's get let we both love science. Why don't we get right into the science? What do you got? Well, in the science we have uh, from uh, the telegraph.co.uk, we have three parent babies incompatible with human dignity, they say. Um, but a group of 34 European politicians are trying to ban a new uh, study that basically believes it's fully possible to have a three-parent child. See, all right, now, at first blush, like I think what a lot of people are, are, are thinking about when they hear, wait a minute, this is, this is going to have a three-parent you know, child, like what's going on here? Like, is this, uh, is, <laughs> is, is some DP going on and, so, yeah. and, you know, and, and like somehow is, is, is the sperm getting through the anal? What's, what's happening here? But that's not the story, right? This is, is this like in vitro? What's happening? Um, I think, um, what, it, what it's actually coming off of is, excuse the pun, is <laughs> the, um, studies that I have, I heard about, I've I've heard about um where they can now take, you know, skin cell from you or skin cell from me and they could actually create a an ovum or or okay. a female egg with it or they could take skin cells from a girl and create, you know, sperm with it. Um so basically they could do that and then they could essentially um they do like some kind of mix up with the DNA where Okay. Now the baby has three sets of chromosomes. Okay. Now, does does the article? I mean, I can kind of imagine what the advantages are to that. Um, d- does does the article talk about what exactly the advantages might be? The potential treatment is known as a three parent in vitro fertilization or IVF, because the offspring would have genes from a mother, a father, and and from a free, a female donor. After a national public consultation shown by Britons broadly favored the idea, the government's chief physician said on Friday, it should be allowed to go ahead under strict regulation, whatever that means. Scientists have developed groundbreaking new procedures which could stop the diseases from being passed on, bringing hope to many families seeking to prevent their children from inheriting uh, diseases that are inherited. It's only right that we look to introduce this life-saving treatment as soon as we can. So basically what it's saying is um, m- most people know the more diverse two parents are, the right. less likely you are to have harmful or uh, recessive genes recurrent in offspring. So right. the introduction of another parent basically makes the odds of recessive genes showing up crazy, ridiculously low. So this, so, so having these, these three, you know, having three parents, you know, generally it, it sounds like they're saying it's going to be two female, yeah. um, and one male, uh, that's going to allow for defenses. It's, it's going to allow for our, uh, a lack of, uh, genetic mutation yeah. perhaps. And, and it's going to really produce a, a child that can actually defend against a lot of diseases a whole hell of a lot better. Exactly. Yeah. 
and people are fighting against this clearly. Uh, I, I mean, I can just, I can totally picture, you know, for starters, the, the more superstitious people, uh, saying, you know, wow, this is completely unnatural. You know, God would not allow for this. Um, you can practically and, hear the religious clamor from here and where in the yeah, States. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you can. Yeah. I mean, and this is coming out of the United Kingdom, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I hear the story and I think, well, well, that's, that's fantastic. You know, that, that there is, that we're figuring out a way, uh, now, obviously, I mean, I'm guessing they're, they're, they're grafting something from the one partner. I mean, obviously this isn't going to be, I mean, it's fine if, if, you know, if two women and a guy want to have sex together, but that's not, you know, they're talking about in vitro fertilization, which is an age old scientific concept really. Um, and they're, you know, this is how they're going to do it. So they're going to be grafting something, you know, from, from one woman, you know, putting it onto the, or taking an egg perhaps from one woman, putting it into the other, uh, and, you know, and then using the, you know, the, the, the intercourse. I mean, this is going to be relatively probably done through a relatively natural process, even though it could all be done in the lab. Uh, you know, other than the fact, I mean, the natural process obviously isn't like we said, again, it's not three people having sex together. It's just, you know, two people using their stuff, putting it together and then slapping it into another person, essentially. <laughs> not that you still can't do that to seal the deal though. No, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like, by all means, you know, do, do this now, I guess, you know, and that's, that's, that's kind of the interesting area where I want to go. I imagine the science is perfectly sound. Um, I do have the question of, you know, there is the idea of like, uh, I think it's sickle cell anemia or whatever, where that can actually defend against other diseases, even though that in and of itself is a terrible disease, uh, or a terrible mutation. So you know, in the idea of like, say the, the red queen hypothesis, which I kind of subscribe to as to why we have sex where like, you know, that this, you know, having sex allows for a diversification of genes to where you're in this constant, like almost an arms race with every other like form of bacteria or whatever happens to live around you. I'm really oversimplifying the red queen hypothesis, but, um, so I guess, I guess there's some concern over the idea that, you know, this, this is like creating a, a, a genetic, um, you know, a, a genetic, a, a baby of genetics that, that naturally wouldn't occur. But again, it, it's, it's really to, to fight off all these, you know, uh, you know, whatever disease they, they decide to figure out. And I think that's great. Um, but the point I want to get to is that, so, I mean, I understand maybe there are some valid concerns, but by and large, I think it sounds good. But here's what I wonder is that in this case, and I know, you know, in vitro fertilization, I mean, occurs or, you know, surrogates, whatever, all that stuff really occurs already. Um, but I guess I wonder since you, you know, how is this going to affect law? Because you, you're going to have literally this kid will have the genes of three people, not two. Yeah. You know, and so does, does that other mother <laughs> essentially, uh, does she get to go into the hospital? You know, does she get, to, does she get past the guards when, you know, when, when, when her child's in ICU, uh, you know, in the future, which hopefully that doesn't happen. That's part of the reason they want to do this to, you know, to keep a kid from, from having such terrible, uh, you know, genetic problems. Um, but I, I guess, I, I mean, what do you think about that? How, how do you uh, think that that would work? I mean, call, call me an optimist, but I mm-hmm. I think um, it would pave the way for more equality between the sexes because Interesting. Um, people would see that, like, you can't exactly continue the old rights of parenting into 
this age of, you know, test tube babies and right. the ability to, you know, prevent diseases like being inherited and stuff like that. So it's really hard to continue on that model of the, you know, two parents type thing in a world where you could do this. So it could pave right. the way for more equality and maybe even more uh, polyamory, like in a lot of yeah. places. Yeah, that definitely came to polyamory. Obviously, came came to my mind pretty pretty fast because, you know, I mean, my, myself, my own thoughts on this, and 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 at any point in our conversation during the show, Dante, f- feel free to disagree <laughs> on oh, yeah. things. Um, but uh, you know, I I am of the opinion that children were meant to be raised by tribal tribal structures anyway. Now, what I mean by that is, I mean like I think I don't think. You know, a lot of people talk about, well, you know, single parents are so tough. I think two parents are so tough. You know, it's so tough to raise a kid with that. Um, maybe unbelievably so, you know. Uh, and, and so I think if you could open, if you could pave the way, even biologically, which would allow it to fit better into the legal system we already have. Because it's like, well, you can only do this if you're a legal, you know, legal parent, if you're a biological parent. Well, guess what? I am. You, you know what I mean? It, it, if, if you're in this three-person, um, you know, baby production model here. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, it's gonna, I agree. It, I, in fact, great point about it paving the way for, for gender equality even more so. Uh, I, 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 I didn't even think of that. And I, I totally agree. I think it does help pave the way for that, but yeah, it opens up this idea that no, you know what? Maybe three parents is better. Maybe four parents is better. Maybe five parents is better. And, and that's, that's what I mean by tribalism. I don't mean like shamanism where there's, you know, some, some guy you yeah. know, rolling bones in the middle of a fireplace or something. Um, but I, I mean the idea that like it's raised by a multitude of adults uh, that, that allows for really where everyone can actually spend genuine time with a child, uh, you know, that, that a child needs and, and, and deserves, you know, if we, if we want to use that word. Uh, so yeah, I, I think this is fantastic. And, and now none, I, I don't think I, I've seen some kind of little quick shot articles about this and I, none of that, none of them seem to be talking about this as in like, what exactly do we do? you know, about like, is this third person a parent? Um, and, and so I, but I, so you're, you're an absolute supporter of the idea of, of, you know, having three parents, I would assume. Yeah. Have 15 if you want. Yeah. Right on. There you go. <laughs> I agree. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, but I mean, now how do you feel outside of the, you know, obviously outside of the, the more religious people, the more, you know, the more superstition bent people. Uh, I mean, how do you think people will react to that in general? I mean, is it something you think that's going to take time for them to accept or what? You know, I think it'll strike them as odd at first, but the possibility of people, you know, with diseases that are inherited from mothers or fathers, um, mm-hmm. you know, through, through your through your genetics, the possibility of eliminating those in so many people, especially like some of the more crippling ones, um, people will turn a blind eye to any moral ambiguity they have towards it. Like, it's just, they're going to be like, there's so many people that this could help, you know, so many couples that, you know, would like to have a child, but you know, they'll, they'd pass on blindness or they'd pass on, you know, a reoccurring form of liver cancer you know, right. however many, you know, mal, mal- on to people. So. Yeah, abs- 
Yeah, absolutely. I so so you're saying that the I mean just the advantages are going to outweigh any possible uh, yeah y- y- uh, you know arguments that people would have where hey no that that third that, you know that second woman can't be a mother or whatever you, that so that that that's your thoughts on it. Oh yeah, I think it'll it'll actually especially in a country like I would say especially like Germany or uh, Switzerland or one of those countries, if it makes it to there, it likely will mm-hmm. first. Like, they'll probably get, you know, the voices of people opposing it will be definitely, you know, crushed, essentially, yeah. by yeah. those no, begging for it. Absolutely. And and you raise an interesting point there, too, because I think in, in countries like Switzerland and elsewhere, um, you know, where this will probably show up first. I agree with that. Uh, I think, I think we'll see just amazingly how well, um, you know, adapted everybody will become so quickly, uh, to, you know, say that the social, perhaps social issues that this brings up, um, as well as, you know, and then just, just the science where people just say, you know, you know what, people are healthy, uh, you know, because of this, where we have kids, like you said, where they're just, they're not going to have these, these genetic abnormalities anymore, this genetic degradation, whatever. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. Um, what a, what a wonderful thing to, to, to figure out how to do, you know, and, and this isn't, you know, I, I guess, do you feel that this like ties in? Because a lot of people get concerned when you start talking about this. They want to say, it's like, oh, this is eugenics, you know, and, and we're going to create a bunch of super babies or whatever. I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? Um, You mean on uh, technology getting this far involved into like our uh, yeah, the I mean, reproduction just like, and stuff like that? Right, right. Because I mean, we're really in, in a very real sense here. You know, we're we're playing some serious god. Yeah. You know, for for lack of a better phrase, um, you know, and and I think there's people who would say it's like, well, you know, you're 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 messing with with nature so much, and that that you're going to create, you know, like I I could, you know, you're the point is, is I, yeah, and I think I I could see some people saying, hey, this is like Nazism, um, but I mean, how how would you respond to someone saying that? I would say Nazism wasn't voluntary, and this is 100% voluntary. Yeah, bingo. Right on. Uh, Yeah, I I had an answer to, but that one blows mine away. Uh, Absolutely. And, I mean, my my thought on it, you know, is is that um, this isn't, you know, we're not, (laughs) we're not wiping out, we're not committing genocide by doing this. We're actually creating a better life. Um, We're not taking life away. Uh, you know, as to where most eugenics in the past has always been about eliminating, you know, you know, it's been about like, you know, euthanizing people or even killing people uh, as to where this is about saving lives, not about taking. Yeah. And I mean, it's also it's technology like this that would lead to a world where you wouldn't be having a debate about abortion because um, not only would you probably have more control over your reproductive systems, but if you didn't want to carry a child to term, you could literally have a test tube baby that could be adopted. And right. Abs- absolutely. It would make the whole <laughs> argument null and void. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree that, that, yeah, actually I, I see exactly what you're saying. Um, yeah, I wonder, you know, here's, and, and yet now according to the science where, with this three parent thing, are they, 
they're still having um, the woman, you know, like bring it to term, right? I yeah. mean, okay. Yeah, see, because that, that's the area where I might, and before someone emails the show saying this, <laughs> this is the area where I, where I would wonder is that, I mean, you could totally have it, like have it done in a test tube, but I guess I do... I do wonder, you know, like if a baby was made, and you can share your thoughts on this, Dante, yeah. if a baby was made in a, in a test tube, literally, mm -hmm. you know, um, you wouldn't like, unless we could somehow simulate, totally simulate, like say the heartbeat of a mother, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of rhythmic things that occur inside, um, you know, inside of a woman during, during pregnancy, uh, that, that a baby kind of learns to like react to. And, and so I guess I would wonder, they'd have to show me, you get what I'm saying? Where like, there, there's just the, like the experience of being inside. Yeah. The amniotic you know, fluid, mother. the sound, yeah. the warmth, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's a certain symbiosis. Yeah, the hormones. Know, that right. Right. And so I'd have to be, I'm open to the idea of literal test tube babies. Um, but I, they'd have to show me that, yeah, you are really simulating everything that goes on during pregnancy because, you know, I got to wonder, not that there's any science behind it, but I, I got to wonder that there's just, there's gotta be these things that evolutionarily we've just gotten accustomed to. I mean, what do you think about the idea of like real test tube babies? I think, I think it's totally and 100% possible. I mean, even mm -hmm. with current tech, it's gotta be extremely possible because I mean, we have that university in Texas right now, I, I forget the name of it, that basically built a heart, a human heart with scaffolding from a pig heart. Wow. They took uh, like a pig's heart and they put um, stem cells that they had made, I believe, from like skin cells. Uh -huh. They made adult stem cells from these skin cells and basically it informed them to become heart cells. And they put them on this essentially dead scaffolding it's basically tissue rough tissue and okay. it grew a human heart over it that's incredible and they I, uh, yeah. they put electricity to it and it started to beat wow so so, so what did what did they use do, do you know what did they use for for the for the cells like they didn't have to use stem cells or i mean nope, you said they got it from stem, a they didn't have to use an embryo stem cells they've had some like new revolutionary stuff like uh they were actually able to harvest stem cells out of urine now. Wow. So. Yeah. Okay. See, now this is something, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on Sovereign Tech before, but there's a Ray Kurzweil. You, you know who Ray Kurzweil yes. is. Yeah. 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 I mean, just an amazing, yep. Amazing transhumanist. I mean, he's really, talk about a guy pushing uh, humanity forward. Um, he's definitely making that happen. And he wrote a book, I think it's in 2005, called The Singularity is Near. It's a very popular book. Yep. Or it was at the time anyway. And in that, he wrote, he said that the whole, this whole argument, you know, about embryonic stem cells and all that, he said, was pointless. Because scientists had already figured out pretty much how to turn any cell into any other kind of cell anyway. You know, and this is not a guy, you know, I mean, Ray Kurzweil, he's the real deal. He is, he is a scientist of scientists, you know, and the, he, he has no need, no need to bullshit. And so I always wondered, I'm like, well, then where, wh when is this happening? Where is this happening? Clearly, like, as you stated in t at university in, in Texas, it happened. Yep. Um, actually, I just sent you the article if you'd like to just open it up and like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. an actual picture of the heart. Yeah. I got to see this. 
Um, and I will link all of this will be in the show notes, folks. Don't worry. So because I mean, this is this is really revolutionary stuff. Um, and it was it was amazing, amazingly simple how they did it as well. They actually just basically took the scaffolding of the pig heart and ran water and dish soap through it <laughs> to get it basically wow. down to the tissue. Yeah, and and I'm looking at it right now, and that is incredible. Uh, I. I, I am in awe. Uh, yeah, definitely take a look at the pictures in the show notes, uh, listeners, because I mean, this is, I, that, that just blows my mind. Um, you know, and this is something, you know, uh, switching gears a little bit. Yeah. Did you have any more you wanted to, to get on with, with, uh, with the, the three parent thing? Um, nope. You can uh, go right on. Okay. Right All right. Switching gears a little bit. Now, I mean, something that's been talked about a lot is that they're starting to 3d print cells. Um, you know, they're, they're using various biomatter and essentially they're saying that they can also 3d print. I mean, this process fan is fantastic, um, you know, for growing a, a, a working heart here, uh, you know, and, and I can't see any reason not to use that. You know, we don't have to 3d print everything, but they are talking about, you know, there, there is, it's going around. There's been a story for a while where they are literally 3d printing cells. And essentially they're saying we're going to be able to 3d print parts, you know, human organic Parts. We already have, uh, and and right, and we're doing so. Uh, you, you got a couple examples, you know, off the top of your head. Um, I know there was a, I believe it was a boy in the UK, I think it was, who had a three D printed bladder replaced. A bladder, three D printed bladder. Um, <laughs> they have three D printed kidneys, ears, portions of livers. I think, just wow. absolute, absolutely crazy stuff. That's incredible. Okay, now I know you also had a story where about a three D printer. Nice segue. Now, it, yeah, thank you. <laughs> that's why. That's why I don't make any money doing this show. No, <laughs> um, no, uh, there was no sarcasm in that. No, I know, I know, no. <laughs> um, and and so yeah, I know you had an article about a three D printer. Now tell me about this three D printer uh, because three D printing let's face facts is one of the technologies if, if you know if technology is going to set us free and i believe it is this is one of the ones you know this is like perhaps of the big three that's really gonna set us free and now is this a 3d printer that can you can give me a full introduction on it but is this going to be a 3d printer that can do uh this this cellular printing or not um currently it cannot but okay. the way in which it works, um, which you might have to include a link in your article f or in your show notes for people to actually get an idea of how this printer actually works. Sure. Is uh, the reason it's so cheap is, or not cheap, less expensive, is because one of the most expensive parts about a 3D printer is the scaffolding in which it goes across, you know, like okay. how it actually makes it. And the revolutionary way in which um, this basically does it is it's basically freeform. Okay, so you talk about cost. What's the cost on this thing? Under $100. Under $100. $100 so, or less is their goal. Like the Ouya. Okay, so it's awesome. Love the Ouya. Maybe we'll talk about the Ouya a little later. But $100 yep. at, at, at most yep. for a 3D printer. All right, and here's, here's the kicker. This is the Peachy Printer, and it is a crowdfunded 3D printer. It was launched, I believe it was launched about a, about a month ago. Um, okay, it was launched with a goal of getting $50,000 for this guy who's in, basically in his garage with a couple of investors had been making this 
tiny little 3D printer that is under $100, and he's been tinkering with it, and he finally got it right, and he needs to mass market it, and he wanted to get $50,000, and there's 11 days left still in the funding, and he has $570,000 pledged. Okay, he has how much? Five hundred. Five hundred seventy thousand dollars for five, half, a and he only wanted fifty. Yes, that's incredible. Now, now I just I want to I want to preface this because so many like Kickstarter and Indiegogo, you know, crowdfunding campaigns. They, you know, a lot of times, especially now, people are asking for millions and millions and millions of dollars, even to do just something like this. I, I've seen some of these plans, you know, for like three D printers before to get crowdfunded. A lot of times, they don't make it. Um, and often, like I say, they're asking for literally millions of dollars. Now this guy's only asking for $50,000 and I'm glad to hear that he's, he's got over half a million now, uh, you know, to, to do what he, to do what he can do. So that, that amazing. Keep going. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the peachy print, peachy printer basically is, you know, it just undercut every single 3d printer out there. And one of the most yeah. revolutionary things about it is because it's freeform, as in it's not sitting on, you know, that XY scaffolding that you usually see with 3D printers, um, okay. you know, XYZ where it goes up and down and back and forth and, you know, it needs all those motors and stuff, which are largely one of the most expensive parts of a 3D printer. Um, right. It basically is just sitting on a s- sitting on a scaffold that goes up and down. And one of the revolutionary things is the medium in which it's printing, it prints in a saline solution with a drip. So it just drips water to make the part rise. <laughs> and, it, and, and so that, that, is that like, okay. So is that like the really revolutionary, like kind of aspect of this? Is that why it's allowed to be free form and it doesn't have such a crazy, uh, scaffolding? Well, you could also hook it up to a scaffolding thing. It, it okay. has no, um, like, its build volume is essentially limitless. Um, you could you could print out a whole canoe with it, with the right kind of scaffolding. That's one of the goals of the guys that, that's doing this. Is he wants to print an entire canoe with this three D <laughs> printer, just okay. for one piece. Now, do they like what's the size of this thing? I mean, is it you know smaller than the Ouya? Smaller than the Ouya. So this thing could fit in your hand. Yeah, I mean. I, I, not including the, um, you know, where you would the resin bay and stuff like that. But right, right, right. The actual right. But printer, the printer head. itself. Okay, d- yeah. The the actual like more or less the device itself. Yep. Is the size of your hand. Yep. Uh, that that is mind blowing. And a hundred dollars. This has gotten crowdfunded. The crowdfunding is already successful. Right. Indeed. Yeah, and and so and this could this can literally print everything, um, I, like anything almost. Now, like we said, it can't do. It's not going to print cellular structures yet, um, but it could probably do. What was the name of that of that gun that was really a, a big deal going around? Uh, the Liberator. The liberator, yeah, it, yeah, the single it could shot. Do the Liberator, I think it could do a Liberator. Um, and does it, do you have any information? It's fine if you don't. Do you have any information though on on where exactly? Um, like, like what's their distribution model? Are they just going to be selling it on their website? Uh, because like at Staples now at Staples, you can go and you can buy a 3d printer for like 1600 bucks or something like that. Um, you know, is this something they're going to mass market or does it look like it's just going to be website sales? I imagine it's going to be mass marketed. One, one of the, one of the goals behind the guy that the guy behind this has is to basically make cheap resin. Cause one of the bigger problems is like, it's, you know, $60 for a liter of resin. And that's that's a little kind of ridiculous for plastic, 
Um, yeah. So he's trying to make a, a really cheap resin to help go help go along with this as well. And okay. so I think he's definitely going to be mass marketing this. I mean, under a hundred dollars, I wouldn't be surprised to see it on the shelf of you know Best Buy and Radio Shack. Yeah. See, now that's what I think it kind of needs for people to really understand, because, you know, a lot of people don't understand 3D printing in the first place. Like they just don't understand the concept. Like how does, how exactly does that work? I work in a machine shop. So, I mean, I definitely understand it. Sure. Sure. I mean, I understand people not, not getting it. They're like, what? Right. Yeah, exactly. Because it does. It seems weird. It's like, what do you have? Just like this, this thing that, I mean, I think a lot of people just picture this, uh, like a, like a big dot matrix printer with just, instead of, a having a, a slot where paper can come out, it's just this huge gaping mouth where <laughs> suddenly, you know, like a, like a rep, almost like a replicator from Star Trek. Um, you know, it, the, the, whatever you decide to print will come out of it, but that's, that's not how it works. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, this 3d printer is just, it's so different than so many of them like for example mm-hmm. instead of having like a usb port or maybe you know like a slot for an sd card to go in to print it uses um the an auxiliary port it uses an audio cable to trans you... transfer 16-bit data to control <laughs> the printer that's all it, that's wow. all it needs is that you download the program on your computer or even your phone or whatever and uh-huh. so you could literally have this on your phone Download the schematic from, say, they have an app for it, for mm-hmm. you know some little trinket you need or want to make. Like maybe maybe making a new phone phone case on the fly. Download it, plug it into your auxiliary port on your phone, and it'll start sending the you know the 16-bit data through the auxiliary cord, and it'll start printing. That's incredible. So so the one eighth that that one eighth jack is what this is running from. Yeah. That is awesome because what doesn't have one of those today? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, everything's got them. Even a Chromebook has that, uh, or name the device, you know, tablet, whatever. They they all have it. So that's that's actually I didn't know that. Now that's an ingenious way, you know, to transmit data. And it doesn't uh, it doesn't hinder it very much either because the 16 bit um, data that goes through an auxiliary port is you know 65,000 by 65,000, you know, mm-hmm. resolution. So that's like four billion, you know, different data points so right right which is plenty for for anything to get produced yeah uh no you're absolutely right that that is incredible and and i guess i guess part of the reason that you could use the auxiliary jack is because it doesn't necessarily have to have a so much of a back and forth you know i mean it's yeah i i hadn't even thought about that but but a one eighth jack is definitely all all one would need uh and that's ingenious in itself for someone to come up with uh, I, I, I'm really, <laughs> that, that idea alone, let forget the 3d printer. Well, don't forget it, but forget the 3d printer. That idea alone is, is, uh, is, is pretty shocking to me. And that, yeah. that's actually bringing me a degree of pause, but Data through auxiliary is, ports, that's, yeah, it is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that solves so many problems because like even Apple, you know, like this, this, this just solves so many issues because like Apple loves their proprietary, you know, their proprietary connections and, but even Apple products, all of them have the one eighth jack. So they're, you know, an auxiliary port. So there's no need, you know, for any kind of proprietary uh, connections. I, oh, I love it. Uh, okay. <laughs> so now, the, and this is good too, because at that price point at being a hundred dollars or even less, um, 
this is something where, yeah, I, I think people, one of the ways for 3D printing to get mass adopted, as crazy as it seems to a lot of guys, especially like you and I, Dante, where it's like, what do you mean you don't shop online? What do you mean you don't go online, you know, go to Amazon to buy this yeah. or that? You don't have um, Prime? How do you live? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and, but so many people don't, and they still do go to Best Buy, amazingly. They still do go to Radio Shack, amazingly. They still do, you know, and I understand Walmart. Walmart makes a little more sense. But anyway, but if these things could be in those stores, talk about revolutionary. And there's no reason that they shouldn't be, because at 100 bucks, why can't that, you know, go on the shelf? Um, and, yeah, I, I see just a tremendous, tremendous marketing opportunity here. Uh, and, wow, what an idea. So, I mean, this thing could probably print a house if it wanted. Actually, the guy mentions it definitely could print a house if you wanted it to, um, <laughs> although it would probably take years because of its size. Okay. But, I mean, sure. there's no reason I can't see if this is massively successful. He's already in talks about doing a Peachy Printer Pro, so okay. maybe there will be larger versions. That'll right, be able to and do then more you literally things. could. I mean, yeah. for all we know, in two years, there might be some of these up in space constru- constructing a citadel. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> nice. You know. Yeah. I, oh, man. That. Yeah. So anyway, li- listeners, check this out in the show notes because this is really, really something. Um, I, I, you know, like I say, 3D printing, it's definitely one of those technologies. Well, well, myself personally, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not so big on like guns and whatever, but if you are wanting guns, you know, this is probably the way to do it without any of that regulation stuff, um, or whatever you're wanting. I mean, this is just, this takes, this, this takes all the power away from industry, uh, you know, from, from big industry that so many people are concerned about, uh, and, and it puts it right, literally, literally in your hand. Um, and it's called the peachy, right? As in like a peachy, peachy, peachy printer. Peachy printer. Also, I'd like to add, um, it also, its price point would be good for people that, you know, they've always like looked at these 3D printers and they're just like, I want to try it. But also, there's a novelty to this. Um, the guy already has an app in development. I, I, I believe he, like, he has a demo he shows of it where he takes his phone and with the camera, like scans it over like an origami swan. And it creates a okay. 3D reconstruction on the phone, and then you can send it to the PG <laughs> printer. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, uh, because, you know, phones, uh, the cameras on smartphones can certainly scan depth. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're and, and, and in conjunction with the accelerometer of, and it's just right, right. You're going to get, I mean, you could get it all. Uh, it's, it's really amazing how many sensors like that smartphones have on them. And yeah, I could see you could, you would literally just by taking a picture essentially, um, you know, and maybe moving the phone a little bit, you're, you could literally have anything you want. You know, and I suppose it depends on the price of the resin, right? I mean, to some degree, yep. but he's already, you said he's developing yep. uh, cheaper resin. Currently it's about, there's resin between, you know, like higher end resins, like $200 a liter and uh-huh. like fast acting resin is like $60 a liter. I'm, and I assume there's just, cause there's, every day you go to Kickstarter or Indiegogo and there's more people figuring out more ways to make resin and how to recycle the resin and 
it's just going to get cheaper and cheaper. That that's incredible. So yeah, really folks, this, this is how technology is going to set you free. Uh, <laughs> the ones that are really I, crazy are the are the ones with the uh, the microwave printer ones that they're thinking about putting up in space. Have you seen those okay, ones? Okay, I haven't. Tell me a little bit about that. What's basically because you know how a microwave works, like it ra- it radiates and makes a, a small area vibrate like intensely with microwave right. radiation. Right. Um, so what this does is they can actually take like powdered titanium or copper and basically they, they set it in place. The printer sets it in place, the printhead, and then it blasts it with, with microwave radiation and it molten's and it fuses. So it is essentially printing metal. So, okay, so let's say this was up in space. Like, all right, so a microwave, that's what a microwave does is it excites at the, you know, it excites matter at the molecular level and, you know, makes it vibrate or do whatever. And so essentially they're going to use microwave and they would essentially. Use it as a binding agent for metal. Wow. On a 3D printer. Okay. So would they just like lay out, would they have like a huge, uh, you know, say this was in space. Would they have to have like a huge basin, essentially, of of metal, like you say, uh, or you know, and and then they would just like shoot the microwaves into it, or is is that is that kind of the idea? I'm trying no, to picture um, current current ones. Uh, like you'll see videos on YouTube. Um, they, okay. It is like it's a basin of powder, and they would right. use an agent to basically bind them together, and then they basically they like cook them, they heat them up. Yeah. So like they solidify as one. So basically it's like they're hot gluing pieces of metal together and then they're making the metal slightly molten so it hardens together. Um that so what the but what this does is basically you can pick just picture like um picture something in space that's dropping like a fine particle of copper and then it's putting another one next to it and blasting it with microwave for a second so that that particle fuses to the other one. Okay. And now is continuously the, do that. All right. So, and is the microwave like? Is it varying um, its intensity and frequency to where it's actually making the shape? Like as it's bonding them, it's it's designing like how it's going to look, or does that take a scaffolding? Uh it's it's more. It doesn't it doesn't need a scaffolding. It's basically instead of laying strips of plastic down that harden fast, which mm-hmm. how the plastic ones work, it's basically just let very fast laying down like almost dust sized particles of metal and hitting them with, with, you know, microwave beams. Right. And it's telling and it's bonding it as it goes along, but it's, you know, it's only like just barely molten because they can finally tune the frequencies. So it's just barely molten. So it's just enough so that they fuse to each other and not so like it just melts into a goop. That is amazing. Um, you know, (laughs) Like I'm, I'm literally like I'm just picturing that, and I'm just, I, admittedly, I'm I'm picturing starships getting built. Yeah, uh, you, you know, build a box, and then you just throw like a little tablet of oxygen in there, and it suddenly has atmosphere. Oh, I love it. <laughs> It'd be great. Well, I mean, because that's that's realistically how how spaceships would look in you know a low tech world like we are currently, is they'd just right. be floating blocks with you know am- atmosphere generation inside of them or something. Sure, sure. No, that 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 makes total total sense. And I'm just, I'm I'm really in. Wow, <laughs> I just 
you know, this might not make for great radio on, on my part, uh, but I'm just like sitting here just like imagining this. I did not know about this. I am so glad you're on to talk about it uh, because I just I find that incredibly, incredibly exciting, um, you know, as far as like taking us towards a more a more science fiction like future that I'm sure both you and I want, Dante. Oh, yeah. The real mindfuck, though, Brian, the real mindfuck is that they're actually able to do this with what's on the moon. They can do it with fast. They can basically make concrete because they can seal silicone or silicon in the same way they could do metal. Oh, so, so right. literally scoop up moon dust and start right. constructing things with a microwave 3D printer in space. <laughs> and basically you're, you're printing moon rock. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I see it. And, and that is, wow, that is so cool. <laughs> so you could have literally like you, you just picture like this moon rock spaceship basically that you could print. I, I, I love it. And so, so we already, all the resources that we need, we're not going to have to like go drilling or anything. We could just be scooping this stuff right off the moon and then scoop it up, shoot the microwaves, scoop it up, build on top of it. Then right. you have an underground. Then you have underground living structures in the moon on top of stuff that's on top of it. Yeah, you, mind fuck, no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, it literally just makes things seem like okay. Well, well, why aren't we there right now? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the reason we're not there right now is uh, because you know the government shut down. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so every, everything is halted and stopped, and and of course, no, it it hasn't at all. We just uh, we just need Neil deGrasse Tyson to quit his job at the Smithsonian and start working. For Richard Branson, yeah, <laughs> oh, I would love to see that. Uh, yeah, uh, NDT Neil deGrasse Tyson, that guy is is amazing. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I, 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 what I would give for that to happen. Um, but you know that that's interesting because like this. Okay, in fact, I, let, let's let's backstep a little bit. Yeah, um, because this is the point I want to I want to bring out. Um, these both both stories we've talked about have been are really they are tremendous leaps in science there there's you know and technology there's no doubt about it um and yet this this 3D printer you know its its campaign is going on right now the guy is still developing things right now the government the United States government is shut down um the three parent babies that's all being done in the United Kingdom that's a story that literally came out almost like I think it was two days after the government shutdown occurred uh, that, you know, that they said that we're doing this and we're still working on it and whatever, because just because the United States government shut down doesn't mean that science isn't happening in every other country on, on the planet. Yep. And because, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, Dante, but it, like on Facebook or on Twitter or whatever, there's all these people like Wired and even Gizmodo, though Gizmodo's a little bit better about it. Um, where they're saying, look, all, you know, this, this science, um, has just come to a standstill and people are dying. And I mean, I mean, what do you make of that when you From read the, that? Talking about the government shutdown. Like, yeah. Oh, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's almost a good thing that people are attributing, um, that to the government, like the science shutting down, even though it definitely isn't right. because, it will open more researchers and laboratories' eyes into the fact that the public wants this, but maybe they should find their funding elsewhere from, you know, crowdfunding. Like, can you imagine if, like, 
an esteemed researcher, you know, was researching a cure on AIDS and made his presentation on Kickstarter, everyone would be like, fry on Futurama, shut up and take my money. Yeah. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, you know, and that that's the thing. You know, I wonder, like you take this 3D printer, for example, or say if if somehow the you know these scientists working on the the three parent babies thing, if they ran over to Kickstarter and Indiegogo and said, "All right, fine, the government won't pay for it, you pay for it," and I think you're right. I think most people would say, "Take my money." Exactly. You know, or or like you, you talk about the microwave uh, 3D printers and whichever else, give the option to the people and watch how fast that money will go exactly where they want it to go. Uh, I I find that I, I think that's a great point that you bring up. Um, and, and that like, I mean, th- this government shutdown, like, I think the worst thing I've seen someone complain about it, and then it, it depends on, on whether or not this is the worst was, I guess there is some, like in the United States, there's some foodborne illness in chicken that's going around right now. Hmm. Uh, and, and because there's no FDA to ch- to put it in check, everything's terrible, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we're all going to die. <laughs> I mean. Um, whereas if the government could get out of the way, maybe even that disease that, you know, the concern, uh, of the, the disease that's going around might not even affect humans if we could do three parent babies, you yeah, know, very it, true. It, it, yeah. And so, pe- you know, if people would just get this kind of overarching look and stop looking at, so now, 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 if they got this overall look at everything, um, they'd find out, Hey, wait a minute, you know, Okay, so the government shutdown is keeping, you know, this this illness from getting around. But because the government's there, it's keeping humans from getting to the point where illness might not even matter anymore. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I'd, I'd argue that it would, you know, it wouldn't matter because we'd have nanites in our, you know, in our stomach regulating our metabol- metabolisms and biota. Like, yeah, right. It just, yeah. just wouldn't even be a problem anymore. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and it's not even because some people say it's like, well, you're talking theoreticals. No, it's not theoreticals. Here's scientists, like we talked about in the story before. Yeah. Here's scientists straight up saying, no, look, if we do this three parent thing, we can start solving this, this, this. It's not theory. It's science. And yet who's, who's the one stopping it? Lawmakers. Yeah. And the, for what? The, for morality? Go ahead. The kind of ironic part, part about that, that I just kind of thought about is, I could see even some of the maybe even more progressive countries, like progressive in the negative sense, being that you know more government yeah. involvement. Like sure. maybe, maybe China steps on board this, and if you want to have another child, it has to have a third parent because right. they're dealing with a lot of these super diseases like MRSA and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So no, good point. That that and... could be that could be a thing, you know, in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know, it's a, it's a funny dichotomy that occurs. Like you take a country, um, like Norway where oddly, you know, this isn't a case for progressive, you know, countries or for bigger government, but you know, like Norway is a country that is not in debt. Um, and yet they have, they're so, it's funny. I don't know how to even really describe it because they have all these laws to say you can't regulate, you can't regulate, you can't regulate. So they actually have more laws, you know, saying that you can't regulate, but laws, laws in and of themselves, you know, don't, don't really help matters. Um, but they would have, I would see them putting these things into place, Switzerland as well, where like they say, like there's a law in Switzerland that if you have a cold, you cannot go to work. 
Yeah. Um, because you know, you're going to infect other people, you know, I mean, they, 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 they make a bunch of logic about it, but I could see where, yeah, they would, they would start putting in requirements for these things to happen. And the odd dichotomy is, is that, you know, because of that, we would end up seeing, um, you know, this, this leap in, in, in human biology. But of course, again, the real thing that's keeping it from being applied everywhere is still government, because I worry that people would say, well, you see, this is why we need more government, because the government would be able to say that, yes, you need to do this. Um, But really what's keeping it from the mass adoption and from really working very well is the fact of government in and of itself just making it illegal or even saying that it's legal and then choosing, you know, okay, no, but you can't fend off this disease or you can't do it this way. Um, So, yeah, but that's a great point. I think China would leap on, would jump on this. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And they're interested in that. You know, China themselves, they are interested in that. They're, they're interested in like, they have, they essentially have some degree of eugenics programs, not to where they're killing anybody, but where they're wanting, where they have like breeding programs. Um, there was an episode of, of, of sovereign tech where, where I had the, the lovely and hyper-intelligent, uh, Dr. Stephanie Murphy on, and she was talking about how, uh, yeah, you know, China wants, you know, these, these people wants their, like their best and brightest essentially <laughs> to be intermingling, yep. um, and, and make super babies. So I think that that's a pretty insightful point, uh, Dante, that, that, yeah, countries like that probably would jump on it, um, and hopefully that would just open up, you know, let loose, you know, not create more legislation, but hopefully that'll just open up the legislation saying, you know, we want these kids that are healthy too. Um, not to say that they're better, you know, no one's saying that, but just the fact that they, you know, they have this, this chance at a life where disease worse, many diseases just won't harm them. Uh, and, and I, uh, boy, that, that's an exciting, uh, really exciting thing. Yeah. It's. It's definitely something to look forward to. And if yeah. I'm not, I'm still not sure about the children thing, but uh-huh. if I was told was going to have one, this would totally be the way I'd go about it because I'd love for my, you know, my offspring to have a leg up, you know, in the genetic rat race. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I personally have no interest in, in having children, but you know, I, I agree. I think if I were to do so, you know, maybe, maybe this would, would be, you know, something I'd be looking at, um, because just, just a tremendous and that, and uh, wow. Anyway, uh, you know, but, but let, let, let's, let's switch gears again here. MIT has creative created small cubes that self assemble. That self assemble. Okay. So MIT, so, so we've gone from, now we could probably print out these cubes that are going to self-assemble themselves. So thanks to 3D printers. Yeah. Um, go, go ahead. Tell me, tell me about the cubes. What do we got? Basically they're about the size currently. I mean, they're definitely going to get smaller. They're about the size of, well, actually I'll preface it with this. One of the problems with uh, ro- robotics and trying to get robotics smaller, you know, nano sized robots that help repair your body and stuff like that is that. They have to be custom tailored to do certain tasks. You know, it might need to cut here, it might need to go here. It needs tracks, it needs wheels, it needs several legs or something similar to that. Um, so it's just it's rather hard to because you have to spend so much time making you know customizations, and it's hard to make one that's a Swiss Army knife. You know, like it's a transformer okay. that it has you know 16 different things that do all different stuff. So what MIT did is starting with these robots, they took 
which are about the size of uh, like a baby's building blocks. And they're cubes with magnetic sides, you know, all six sides of the cubes magnetic. And a flywheel is inside. Are you familiar with a flywheel? Yes. Yeah. There's a flywheel inside that basically spins at up to 2,000 revolution or 20,000 revolutions per minute. And it's basically just controlled by a computer. And so what it can do is the cube, you got two cubes sitting down on a table and, you know, you instruct them because you can communicate with them because they're little robotic things. They're instructed to connect so they can both use their flywheels and then stop the flywheel at the same time. And basically they can jump up and connect in midair with the magnet magnetic sides of the cube. Wow. Okay. So what, what size are we talking about here? Like how big are these things? These, these right now are about the size of like a baby's building blocks. So like little wooden okay. blocks. There's a. Okay. Video. So we're having like Legos kind of, kind of connect to each other on their own. Yeah. Wow. And so what, what are they like? What, what's, what's, what's the, what exactly would be more like the, the planned application? Now, obviously they're going to be able to make these things smaller. Yeah. That's, that's the idea basically to perfect them and to make them smaller and smaller. So you can imagine them. You know, imagine them as like the size of like a grain of sand. You could literally just be like, I need this, and they can take the shape of that thing. Now, I remember, uh, let's see, what was the movie? Um, it was the new version of The Day the Earth Stood Still. Yeah. Um, with Keanu Reeves. And which, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know how you felt on it. I, I actually enjoyed it. Uh, it wasn't as good as the original, but I enjoyed it. It wasn't bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Um, it had had some uh, had some cool moments, some cool one-liners in it that uh, only Keanu Reeves can ever deliver. But anyway, in that you have uh, Gort, which is the giant robot, um, and I think he was kind of made of like the same stuff, where it was just a bunch of little creatures, and essentially they could all like meld together and you know become like you know this giant Gort. Um, and so, so that's kind of the idea. Like, like we could just take, you know, take a bunch of these things, say, like you said, the size of sand and you would program them. They have like a receiver and like, say probably even with like an app on your phone, you could say, I need this. And they would all formulate essentially into that device. Exactly. Like say some of these blocks could still have specialized attributes because they could detach and reattach elsewhere like one could be a battery or one could be you know a like a little maybe a little laser diode or something okay now i guess that's the next question too you know while while we're on movie references like would this be like the t1000 where it it can't make something complex it can only make like a you know the t1000 was liquid metal and it could make its arm it could turn its arm into a blade but it couldn't turn it into a um, you know, couldn't become like a fusion reactor or something. A fusion reactor or something. Um, well, I mean, I'm, this is the, all this stuff is just brand new, right? Really early stages here. Yeah. Um, likely it's gonna. Ha- we're gonna have to see how small we could actually get these before mm-hmm. real world applications could be, could be used for them. Now, would you worry? Did you you said you you work? No, I work at a machine shop. You work at a machine shop. Yeah. So, I mean, would you worry about like like all this stuff? Does any of the, does any, like the 3D printing, these, you know, all these blocks that MIT is making that can essentially, you know, join together to, to make, you know, whatever, um, does, does this stuff like, are you worried you're going to be out of a job because 
pretty much all these materials are just going to meld themselves. <laughs> no, it does. It doesn't really worry me that much. Like a, a lot of there's still a lot of stuff that requires a lot of uh, like a lot of welding and a lot of yeah. It's it's not it's, yeah. It it's, requires, not, it's not really there there just yet. But no, no, no. Certainly, especially yeah, seeing I mean, as we like where sure. where I where I work, we've already dipped our toes into that. So okay, we we you know have that kind of going for us already. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so, I mean, so businesses are adapting to be able to use these, these new devices because, you know, that, that's something too, that I think a lot of people kind of freak out about is like, oh, you know, all this stuff's automated and robotic. We're all going to lose our jobs, um, which just isn't the case. It seems at all, because it seems like most industries just adapt to this stuff. Yeah. And one of the points that I try to get across when people bring up that exact thing is what this will do is it'll literally give us the dream that people you know 50 years ago thought of the future that instead of having to work a 30 hour 40 hour 60 hour work week to survive you might only have to work 10 hours a week right because like you know if if something is say like the frames to my glasses break i don't need to go buy new frames i don't need to pay someone to fix them i crush them up put them in a little blender blend up plastic (laughs) resin melt it back down print out a new pair Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I love that. Um, yeah, you, you know, it, it's interesting because when, because if, when you say something like that, I can just see people saying, it's like, well, you only have to work 15 hours a week, but how will you make enough money to, to be able, you know, to pay for everything? Well, but you're missing the, the fact that everything, if everything can price. be exactly because everything will be so easy to produce. It can't, there won't be the value that exists on it today. Won't exist you know, it won't, the, the monetary value yeah. won't exist on it. And so, yeah, you would have to, you would, you wouldn't just have to like work less because so many things, um, you know, will be easier, but you'll be able to work less because quite frankly, there won't be the need for as much money. It's just not, it won't be necessary. Um, now, you know, maybe the powers that be aren't okay with that. And that's why things like the 3d printing, um, you know, are, are, <laughs> are under the radar of Kickstarter and not in the, you know, I mean, but that's getting conspiratorial and we don't have to go there. Yeah. Um, but either way, you know, I, I love it. I, I love the articles you brought in because it really, this is a real look at it's not reaction to what's going on. It's action. That's actually propelling us forward. And it's really like getting that nice big picture look based in reality, you know, of, of where, of where science and technology is taking us. Uh, forward and i i think it's just it's absolutely incredible uh i mean what what are your thoughts on that i i think there's really definitely being a flame lit under 3d printing's ass because it's starting to take off yeah. big time yeah you know? yeah absolutely and industries are getting behind it you said you like at your machine shop that you're you're kind of you're already ahead of the game on this yeah. uh you know, that, that it's becoming just, just a part of how business is done. Um, which is great, you know, that, that industries are, you know, are, are jumping in on it. Um, okay. So let, let's, let, let's switch gears again and let's, uh, let's, let's geek out a little bit. Totally. Um, <laughs> well, first off, I'll ask this, we'll, we'll, we'll get this story in. I, I think this is a good thing on, on a lot of, a lot of podcasts, a lot of shows, especially Liberty oriented podcasts, this question kind of gets asked, um, to people. And so I'll ask it to you now, but I mean, how did you, I mean, you went down the list, you know, you're, you're the full on, you know, the anarchist, atheist, libertine, the whole business. How did you get to that point? Uh, it was, it was a roller coaster. In, in fact, uh, okay. I was in high school 
and I just basically got, you know, my first real job and got at the time I would I would call myself then a full blown fascist, full blown like okay, almost to the point where like I'm disgusted to say that I would have thought a drug dealer should be put to death, kind of kind of stuff. And right I'm okay. so glad I'm beyond that. But yeah, <laughs> um, I was going in. I was fully enlisted going into the Marines, and okay. um, got you know just a job on the side working at my family machine shop and uh listening to music all day on my ipod and got tired of all the music that was playing like because everything on repeat after a while gets a little old because this is before pandora and the ipod touches so it was stuff only stuff i had downloaded right so i started switching to podcast went to comedy not enough comedy content out there at the time being produced you know i worked I was working a 40-hour week, and it wasn't sure. really doing it. Went to science. You know, there were like two science shows a week. Still wasn't cutting it. Went to political. Couldn't, couldn't listen to either the Republicans or the Democrats after a little while. They were just like, the, there were just logical fallacies that were popping up to me after a while of really thinking about that stuff. Right. Too much bullshit. Yeah. Right? And so I actually stumbled on Free Talk Live, and, you know, same story as many people that have listened listen to them is, you know, for the first two weeks, you're, you're yelling at it. You know, you're, you're like, you're like, how, how can they say that? They're crazy. <laughs> and then after about a month, I'm just like, all right. Yeah. This is logically consistent. And yeah. Wow. And yeah, I no. called up, I called up my recruiter and I was actually, this was moment was probably about a week before I was, I was ready to ship out to boot camp. And I called up my recruiter and I told him, you know, I can't consent to violence on another human being. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to go. And he gave me the runaround saying, you know, like, I signed the forms, you know, I have to go kind of stuff. And I'm just like, sorry, not doing it. Bravo. Wow. And so what what, what was the, would would you mind giving like the year on this around? 2007. Around 2007. Okay. Yeah, that, you know, I, I just, uh, there's some new listeners to the show and they may not know, I mean, I'm sure they, I'm sure most do, but you may not know what free talk live is. Um, and there's a, there's a point I want to make with this and I'll let you keep going after that, Dante, uh, is that, well, free talk live, it's a, it's a nationally syndicated radio program. You know, it's on like 120 radio stations. It's, it's, it's a huge podcast. Um, I actually work for free talk live. I'm, I'm, I'm a, a, a ad executive for it. And, uh, I'm also a co-host on there. And I, so many people have, have said, look, I heard free talk live by whatever means it happened, however it got shared to you, however you found out about it. And, and it's a show, you know, where, where people can just call in, but it has this Liberty oriented bent. It's like open source just, Liberty. Yeah. Yeah. It's open source liberty. I love that. That that's, that's clever. Uh, (laughs) and you know, and, and it just, it's something you just can't hear it really anywhere else in the mediums that it's available on. And so, you know, if you're wondering if people are wondering, Hey, you know, maybe sharing like audio here and there doesn't really help. Uh, yes, it does. Because however it gets out there, however it got to you, Dante, I mean, it definitely, it kept you from going to the military, which I am incredibly thankful for. Um, and, you know, so, so listeners, if you want to share something really incredible, you can share Sovereign Tech. 
but share free talk live as well because it it, it can be an eye opener no doubt about it oh yeah uh so go ahead yeah well i mean like i'm i'm incredibly thankful for it not taking me because i was i was definitely going straight into front line type stuff like that's right. what i was signed in to do that's what i wanted to right. do i was like it it really it really is uh it's it's a horrible feeling to look for me to look back on like how i was back then like i'm like yeah. how how could i have thought that was okay but um it yeah that's pretty that's pretty much my journey you know into into yeah. liberty and then you know my first pork fest was was this past this past one and that was amazing experience met you and stephanie and you know, yep. actually got to meet Mark and Ian and I, you know, you know, I was like, I was like, you know, I attribute you guys to, you know, being the people who likely saved my life, you know, right. On. Like, and of course, you know, they'll give the whole spiel like, like, well, we didn't do anything. And I'm like, yeah. well, <laughs> no one else did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear you. I appreciate you saying that. And, uh, yeah, that that's that's impressive, and I'm I really I I didn't know that 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 you actually that that you were planning on uh, going into the Marines, and boy, it, am I glad the timing was right to where you're. It was <laughs> you were spot on. Yeah. yeah, that's that is that is absolutely fantastic. Okay, so that's how you got into Liberty. How did you get into like all the science and technology? Like, I mean, when when did this happen? Uh, always been way always into been. science. I mean, I think I was born with one of the erector sets next to me like i was just putting that stuff together and my family's already always owned like a machine shop so i'd literally go in there every day and just get scrap metal and you know try and make something with it but right since i was like five or so 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 it's just something that that's innate you can't really like think of that first thing that yeah, you know, I, I hear that a lot too. You know, where 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 people, you know, because we've got listeners, and and I've I've gotten emails from from listeners on the for the show, where they're like, uh, you know, saying, "Wow, you know, um, I, I can't believe this kind of content exists. I can't believe that there's other people out there that 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 kind of think this way." And I guess, and a lot of them, you know, they kind of ask, and I haven't addressed this on the show yet, but uh, you know, how exactly does a person, you know, get to this point? you know, with the whole thing, with, with, with the interest in science and the interest in liberty and the, you know, the, and the whole business. And yeah, I guess, I mean, I don't have an answer to that. And I, and I, and I don't, you know, necessarily expect you to, um, but I, it, it is, it, it just seems to be, you know, kind of just an innate thing. Uh, and maybe, you know, and if anybody has sovereign tech at riseup.net, send me an email and, you know, let me know your theories on how exactly people like this get created. Uh, because I mean, I mean, you and I, Dante, I mean, we have a lot in common, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, we it's really crazy. do. Yeah. 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 And, and I know there's, I know there's other listeners out there that, that, that do, that would have a lot in common with us as well. And, uh, so yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting thing. Now, speaking of things in common, yeah, you've seen Babylon five. I have, you have now that puts you, <laughs> That puts you in an even rarer group. <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, wh- what exactly do you, did you find at all? Now, when did you watch Babylon 5? Uh, I think I got through it about last summer. Like, I mean, I, I watched all, all of that stuff when I was growing up. But just sure. recently I've been, you know, downloading pl- plenty, plenty of stuff and just watching everything. And right. Just taking all the old stuff in. I have, every year, I make it a point to rewatch every single episode of every Stargate season. Uh, right on. Just all that love stuff. Stargate. Yeah, oh. which, which which 
we've talked about on this show before. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, so go ahead. What's your favorite show of all time? Oh, without a doubt, Stargate. Without a without doubt, a Stargate. Doubt. Okay. All right. This is going to be our modified pick of the week. Uh, <laughs> so go, you go ahead and tell me what is so great about Stargate. I, I mean, I agree. I love it, but go ahead. What's so great is like, uh, you can, you can almost pick up a- any episode and get into it. You know, if you suspend the statism kind of thing, if you know, you're, yeah, you're because it's like mindset, it's, it's, it's right. Unfortunately, Stargate has like military people kind of going around yeah. all over the galaxy. Right. Yeah. Which kind of sucks, but okay. But, but go ahead. Yeah. If you suspend that statism end of it. Yeah, definitely. When I watch Stargate, I mean, I'm totally appreciating the badassery of Colonel Jack O'Neill, but the, like, I'm definitely on the, you know, the Daniel Jackson side or yeah. Samantha Carter, like looking at this tech and being awed or looking at this culture and being awed and inspired by like, you know, the thought of like something like this could actually be out there. You know, right. for me, what, one of the moments that makes Stargate my favorite TV show of all time is I want to say it was season six, episode 17 off the top of my head. If I could be wrong. Okay. Uh, when basically, for users not uh, familiar with Stargate, um, there's an alien race called the Asgard that is part of like a protectorate, you know, that protects Right. And they're, they're kind of like the, the Stargate version of the Greys. Yeah. They're like. You know, they're very, very wise and really old and like they just they they're part of like a group of I think it's like five or seven races that basically have been looking over this galaxy and they've been watching humans to see if they're ready to become, you know, the sixth or seventh race or something like that. And um, the Asgard basically put it to the humans and say, you have to tell your people about this because the Stargate program is all this, you know, secret. Right. Big military secret. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to tell, tell your people. And just like that episode is like the world's revelation of all of this data is just so humbling and awe inspiring, you know, but that's just the super nerd in me just like living vicariously (laughs) through that. No, absolutely. I, you know, and I can actually, I can really appreciate that, uh, on a few levels. One, um, I was actually myself, uh, I watched SG one, which is the, the main Stargate yeah. show. Um, I watched that when, you know, from when it, was, it premiered on Showtime up, uh, I was so excited. I mean, admittedly to, total, to, full disclosure, like the, the character, Daniel Jackson, you talked about, um, his wife, uh, they they got a, a stunning actress to play her in the first episode oh, yeah. and and i knew there was going to be a nude scene <laughs> and so <laughs> as terrible as the, or i mean as as terrible as what's going on during the nude scene in that episode um that was one of the reasons where i was like because everybody was talking about it that this is why it's going to be on showtime because this kind of stuff's going to happen and it actually only happened once um, in that first episode. In fact, they've done director's cuts or a, a director's cut of the first episode where they just got rid of it. But 
Anyway, so that was one of the first things that like attracted me to that show was, you know, kind of the idea that there would be a bit of a risque nature to it. (laughs) Um, But anyway, I ended up becoming very, very, very uh, inspired by the character of Daniel Jackson, who is essentially this, you know, anthropologist, archaeologist type, Egyptologist, actually. Goes out of his way every time to try and not use violence. Yeah, exactly. And he. I mean, I've, and I may have said this on Sovereign Tech before, but I have, I I mean, I just, I always wanted to be Daniel Jackson, you know? And in fact, I I went to college for all of two months, you know, uh, with the idea I wanted to, you know, get into archaeology. And it wasn't because Indiana Jones, not to say Indiana Jones wasn't cool, especially back then because Kingdom of the Crystal Skull hadn't come out yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just totally like, you know, I was like, wow, Daniel Jackson's really trying to figure out the origins of everything. He's just on this, you know, search for truth. And it was really, uh, you know, that, that really like, uh, struck me, you know, and, and, and so I, I will admit, I love the character of Daniel Jackson and I love the show. And do you think, I want to ask this, I mean, do you think the idea that Stargate deals with the origins, albeit fictionalized, of course. Yeah. Um, but that deals with the origins of, you know, of humanity and of the universe in general. I mean, is that, was that a serious appeal to you consciously or subconsciously? I, I don't, I don't like it. It deals with the origins of the Jaffa, I believe, but right. humanity evolved on, it, on its own. Uh, right. But the, the culture, the cultural influences of the gold on, on human civilization was mm-hmm. just it you know it's it's it was it's kind of a cool fantasy world to vicariously step into when you're watching you know like think about like because it fits in so unbelievably well and you know they're they're so incredibly accurate with a lot of with a lot of history and stuff like that that it's just right it's really good and you know i like how they they work in you know like merlin and they work in a lot of like ancient greece and you know they of course do the mark twain skit in it so yeah. it's just let like every sci-fi show has to do that but yeah exactly the next generation did it everybody does it yeah <laughs> all of them yep yeah so so you had they took all this mythology and they just like tried to make some kind of scientific sense out of it yeah yeah and i you know i think that appeals to just about anybody um because it's just trying to make sense of the world you know uh, and I guess I wonder, you know, like you, you mentioned on your, on your, your, just kind of going back a little, you mentioned on your, your pathway to Liberty. I mean, you, you straight up and, and, and I, I, re, I totally respect your courage in saying, you know, that, that you were just a fascist, you know, all the way. Um, and I wonder if, if a person gets to that because they realize like if a per, cause I can understand that. You know, I, I had a, a point after nine 11 where I, I would say that I became a straight up fascist, uh, or at least I was an ardent status, whatever word you want to use for it. Yeah. And you know, because the, I, I just knew that the world was wrong. Something was wrong with the world. And, and I thought that the only way to, to correct it, you know, was, was, as you know, just lay down the law as much as you can. Yeah. Everyone's got you know, got a little bit of draconian in them that they think would work you know right right if it was just done my way exactly right yeah and and that's so i mean so do you feel the same like that like that there was just that or do you look back on that on that time in the same way where you just you kind of realize i just knew something was wrong yeah i think it was 
I knew I knew things were wrong and people just weren't you know they weren't looking at the at the writing on the wall and I didn't I didn't know I didn't know a solution at the time and I thought you know as most people do that don't know the solution to a situation and try and solve something they jump to violence and right that was totally wrong on my part that is- well it's what it's what we're it's what we generally see as a solution right yeah like that that's what you do you you, you go to violence you know that's what the comic book says or that's what uh you know even stargate would say that often enough you know as yeah. much as daniel jackson would try not to it's like oh just you know pull out the gun let's do it uh, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, no, I, I hear you. And so I think, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, going back now back to the show Stargate, I really think that that, I mean, cause that, that show, how long did that go? That went 10 seasons. And it's the longest running sci-fi show of all time. Right. And, and Atlantis, which was a sequel show that went five seasons. Yeah. Um, and then universe Stargate universe that went two seasons. Yep. Um, and then there was even a cartoon. I think there's like five movies or something, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, I, I know of two. I, I have they're, them. They're, I have them all. Hold on. I can open Yeah. There, there's the original film, of course. Then there's Arc of Truth and Continuum. Um, and, and yeah. And then, then I think there was even a cartoon called Stargate Infinity. So this is insanely popular. And I think just my own thoughts on it, you can share yours. Um, I, I think part of it really just comes down to is like, yeah, everything we're told about these mythologies and all this history and all that, there's just something not right. <laughs> you know, there, there's something, you know, that, that, that isn't ringing true here. And this makes some sense of it. Not to say it's accurate because it's all fictionalized, Yeah, but it, it, it does a nice job of trying to make it all fit. And I mean, what do you think on that? I, I yeah, it's a, it's a good putty to fill in the logic gaps in you sure, know, there you what go. we I don't like know that. about yeah. humans culture, you know, and you know, it's, you know, to harp on, you know, the Library of Alexandria that you're talking about a few podcasts back, it's likely this show would probably be less popular if we had that, you know, that history book that documented our history properly for 100,000 years. Right. Like, if, right. We, if we knew this stuff, if we all this stuff had been laid out for us since we were children, then we'd be like, we wouldn't be wondering so much. But we're left here with bits and pieces of our history, and we're left wondering and wandering yeah and and you know with with that in mind i mean if someone came up to me and said yeah well you know i think stargate is actually pretty accurate i mean in some ways how can you debate them because we don't know (laughs) you know i mean we just we don't our 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 pictures of history are so skewed um and and you know what we do so many things that like you know, I'll be the first to say this. Okay, speaking of Stargate, because one of the things Stargate says right is that uh, Ra built the pyramids, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I I'll I'll come right out and say it. I don't know if I've said it before on this show, but I don't think the Egyptians built the pyramids. I think they found them. And now I don't think aliens did it either. You know, I don't think Ra built them. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I I don't I don't think the Egyptians built the pyramids at all. Um, I think they, they don't, they don't match Egyptian construction architecture. They don't match, you know, Egyptian building style in that there's no writing inside of them. Um, and in fact, you know, Stargate, the movie was one of the first things that kind of brought this little, there is this little factoid to life in that the, 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 you know, the huge pyramid, the pyramid, uh, you know, the great, great pyramid of of Giza essentially. Um, the only writing that was ever found in it was graffiti by Cafu. 
And in Stargate, one of the premise, part of the premises is that, that, that graffiti in there was a fraud. And I think that's true. You know, like, I think that's a point where, where fact met fiction and and that's actually a lot of times in Stargate. That's for sure. Yeah, no, that, that's a truth. And I, and that's part of the reason I think that, again, that the show is so, so good. And, and I, you know, if it weren't for Babylon five, I'd probably agree with you that it might be the best show ever. Uh, So Babylon five is great. No doubt though. Yeah. Babylon five is, is, is great. Um, and thank you for saying that because, (laughs) because not a lot of people have seen it and it's an investment to watch that show. No doubt about it. Um, because it's not like in a lot of ways, it's not as exciting as Stargate. Like, like you said, Stargate's you can pick up from anywhere and it's a very exciting show. Yeah. Stargate Mondays were a tenant of my childhood. Right on. (laughs) Was that on the Sci-Fi Channel back then? Uh, yeah, they they had the new episodes on Fridays, and on Mondays they would do like four episodes. So oh, they do that four-hour block. Yeah, yeah, yeah they do f- okay. like the the last latest four. They do like four random, and then the last one, or three random, and then the last one. Yeah. Now, all right. So, since we're fully geeking out here, see the Sci-Fi Channel used to be cool like that, right? Oh yeah. Now, <laughs> now what what do you think about the Sci-Fi Channel today? Uh. To be honest, I don't even have cable anymore. Right on. I, that, that's, I, I that's dropped a great everything, answer. and I'm in love with my boxy box. Boxy box thing is thing is a beast. That's uh now now tell me about the boxy box. What's it's a, a basically it runs off of a modified version of uh, the Xbox Media Center XBMC. Okay, XBMC. Yeah, yep. it's by D Link. It's a little. It looks like a cube. Okay. And. There's our software for the week, folks. If you haven't checked it out, XBMC. XBMC is uh, great. Yeah, it's an amazing piece of media yeah. software. Okay, so it's on, it's on D-Link. It's a cube device. Yeah, it's about like – actually, I actually was glad, glad you brought this up because I wanted to talk about the Boxy Box because – Go for it, yeah. You watch or you listen to uh, This Week in Tech and a lot of other tech podcasts. I do. And as do I. And they're always hailing things like the Roku and the Chromecast – when the boxy box has been around for like three or four years and it's you know it's way cheaper now than when it, when it came out it was like 180 bucks but it does it'll do 1080p it'll do audio it'll play it plays any format the same way xpmc does but it has like a it has like an app store built in but you don't all the apps are free in it like it's okay. devoted to that and so it's big on like open source yeah it's basically it's like a closed source version of xpmc gotcha okay yeah, which i wish i could unlock the bootloader and like you know throw an android rom or throw like xpmc on it but it's so, so good by itself it, the thing i've had it for two and a half years only goes off when the i only turn it off when the power goes out like and it's amazing still and just chug it away now it can play anything. It could play like MKV files, yeah. web uh, webm, MKV, whatever. Throw throw at it. It can play it. That that's awesome. So it solves J, JPEG, whatever. So awesome. So it solves the extension war. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and and the proprietary war. Um, so n- now I guess I wonder: Does this now? Can you connect to this? We'll, we'll I'll make sure there's a link to find this in the show notes. Um, but now, can you? Uh, does this have Wi-Fi? Do you yeah, stream this from uh, your? It's got e- Ethernet and Wi-Fi. 
Okay. Does it have a built-in hard drive at all? Uh, it has a small one, but mainly it's meant for DLNA, but it does have two USB ports. So Okay. You can throw an external hard drive on it if you want. Right. And it'll right. work just fine. It'll support pretty much everything. The boxy box. Now, I mean, it went, because when you talk, when you talk about a lot of these devices, they usually have a shelf life of six months to a year, meaning that's how long you'll use them for. And, you know, then they become obsolete or the, you know, the next new thing comes out. But I'm glad you brought this up because you've been using it for over two years and it still handles everything that comes your way. Yep. It, it's a beauty. I love it. Um, wow. It, it's also really nice because, like, on mine I have, like, it comes with a remote that's, uh, I believe it uses some f- form of, uh, like, Wi-Fi or radio to communicate so it's not infrared, so you don't need to be even pointing it at it to use it. But it's got a keyboard oh, okay. on it and everything. But I okay. I have, right now, I just have, a like, a dongled keyboard on it that's, you know, is, has, is backlit and everything. So it's the perfect media center. Like, it has... You can get the Spotify app on it, Pandora. You can watch Revision Three, or or you can oh, lo- love Revision. Yeah, too. all all those all Twit everything is all on there, and it also has um, a browser in it. So like, I can go to cam.freetalklive.com and I can watch Free Talk Live's Cam on my TV. Incredible. So th- does it have Flash on it? Uh I believe Flash works, and if. Okay. If it doesn't, I'm almost I'm positive there's an app that you can download in it that will yeah, sideload I mean, it. Can, right, you can get the APK for Flash and works on everything. A lot of people don't know this, but like because Android doesn't support Flash anymore officially, but you can actually download the APK for Flash and you can put it on an Android device um, or and most likely on BoxyBox if it doesn't already have it. Yeah. And and as long as you know the the you know the the application that you're using. Uh, you know, can, can accept flash content, it'll work just fine. Like if you were on Android, if you run the Firefox web browser or dolphin, um, flash works beautifully with it. Yeah. So, yeah. So I like, I like this. It, it's not, not, pri- not proprietary. It's, it doesn't come from one of the big companies. Not that, I mean, usually like hardware that comes from Google is pretty nice because they let you hack with it. Um, but, uh, but boy, that, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. Actually, this model is, it's older, so I don't even think they produce it anymore. So like one you'd be buying, you'd be buying a refurbished one. But well, that just means you get a better deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's okay. It's cool because it also has like it, it'll work with AirPlay, and you can you can send stuff from your phone to it. You can control it with your phone or anything. I, I love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad that our conversation went down that route uh, because yeah, a, a lot a lot of tech in this show. <laughs> yeah, there's and the re- the reason like I, I went into it so heavily was cuz on a lot of these other other tech podcasts, they talk about the Chromecast and the Roku and right. all of these little dongles and the Google TV and you know, I've tried almost all those. I even tried the Ouya and they al- almost always don't quite come up to par. Like sometimes they're a little laggy, sometimes they're a little slow. Right, and right. Sometimes, like they'll only play their certain format, or for example, the Roku doesn't do DLNA, not by not okay. by default. So, like, I can't now DLNA. For those that don't that know, is DL, DLNA is um, basically sharing media from like your computer's hard drive or a network attached uh, storage's hard drive. Right. So, whereas like 
they'll say you can use something like uh, Plex, where you're, you're running a media server, which is using your computer's processors to send stuff to your TV. But okay. whereas something like Boxy would l- just read the file on your computer and you're not processing anything on your computer. Awesome. It does all the processing on its own end. And like, I don't know if you ever watch like the Final Fantasies in Blu-ray. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it can do that. Like yeah, see that's 16 great. gigabyte MKV of a Blu-ray, Lord of the Rings, or Final Fantasy. It can play it on the boxy without skipping a beat. Stunning. Okay, all right. I'm I'm gonna we'll go back to this, but I just want to ask this uh, since again, this is when I have guests on, I love to geek out and just let it go where it goes. Oh yeah. But so I want to ask you this question: Final Fantasy, the spirits within. Yeah. Um, that that was the first Final Fantasy movie came out like '98, I think. Uh, and you know, had no relation to the games whatsoever, but what did you think of that? Be totally honest. I think it was good. You have to suspend a lot of your beliefs, you know, cause it's obviously more geared towards, uh, climate change and stuff like that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Cause there's the idea, you know, that the earth, the planet's dying or whatever it is. Yeah. So, okay. All right. But I mean, like, d- did you see it way when it first came out? I think I saw it a little while later. On okay, um, on Sci-Fi or something like that. Oh, okay. maybe Cartoon right. Network, but yeah, I remember when I first saw it, that was the first. That was still when CGI was like, you know, really still kind of early stage. And I remember seeing that and just going, "Whoa!" You know, I mean, like just the visuals alone were mind blowing. But I agree, the story itself wasn't that grand. Um, but uh, but but cool little movie all the same and and i i still catch it here and there so anyway back, back beautiful to, graphics wise like the way they yeah, do the beautiful. graphics is just mind-blowing like i show it show those movies to people today and i'm like right this is like you know 10 years ago and this is this looks like something we'd expect today at the theaters yeah exactly no you're you're right i mean like right down to like the the, the hair fo- i mean everything yeah uh, was, was so stunning. So that can play that with no problem. Now this is interesting, you know, back to the hardware, like the Chromecast. Now the amazing thing about the Chromecast is that it's only $35. Yes. yes. That that's, that's mind blowing. But, and this is shocking because I just got done saying like how Google, um, you know, how usually they're pretty open with their hardware. Uh, Google is being incredibly proprietary about the Chromecast more so than I think they plan to be. Where you know they're 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 being really closed, uh, you know, very closed net about it because they don't, you know, it, they don't want certain things to work with it. Like before, they were saying, well, any tab on Chrome, you know, if you open a tab in Chrome, you can put it on Chromecast. And now it's seeming that that's not true anymore. Um, so they're really closing things up. So the Chromecast is attractive as it initially seemed to be, especially thirty five dollars. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it to people. Yeah. Uh, unless you're just really on that budget so much um, as to where what I'm looking at with this or if dealing you're willing to play uh, cat and mouse with Google. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Which, well, anyway, that's another story. But uh, but I mean, with the boxy box, I love it. I, I think that's, a, you know, what, what dealing produced here is awesome. Uh, really, really impressive hardware. So and you love it. Yeah, it's it's such a like. It's it's really rare that you get a device that just doesn't quit on you. you right, know? I agree. Yeah. I agree. I, I in fact I'm looking at it now. I love the like even the box the box design of it. There's a circ- yeah, the 
I, I, it's, it looks, it looks great. So check this one out too, listeners. Yeah. Um, anyway, any more you wanted, you wanted to hit up on that, uh, Dante? Like I said, I, I love the boxy box. I believe like you could look or you could probably literally Google boxy box alternative and you will find because boxy box does, will play any format that you throw at it. Right. But it, it does, uh, it is like proprietary. Like you can't unlock the bootloader and throw your own ROMs on it. So I, I would say you could probably Google alternative for boxy box and you could probably find one probably cheaper and one that you could throw Windows on or you could throw Ubuntu on or you could throw Linux on or just straight XPMC or Android. But, right, or um, like CyanogenMod or something. Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, but other than that, it's it's an amazing device and it's probably you know somewhere between 90 and $160 on Amazon. You can get a newer refer probably. That that's fantastic. I can't see any reason why uh, why anyone wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Dante, was was there? Did you have any other topics you wanted to touch on? Or nope, not not really. Yeah i I have had a ton of fun with this episode. Uh, th- this has been <laughs> uh, th- this is this has been just just quality time. And actually, if you have the chance, Dante, I'd love to have you on again in the future. Most definitely. Um, and in fact, if you're in New Hampshire. I'd, I'd, you know, we, we could do, we could do, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do a, a more regular formatted show even if at that point, I'd love to do that. Yeah. Uh, and I think that would, that would be a lot of fun. Um, so anyway, Dante, you know, gr- really again, great having you on. Um, it's, it's important. I want, I want the listeners to know, Hey, guess what? There's a lot of us out there, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that there is, um, you know, we're, we're, we're not the voice in the wilderness anymore. Not that I want to use a Christian, um, analogy or anything but anyway <laughs> uh so anyway again thank you dante so much for being on uh and you know again we'll have you on again in the future i hope uh it would just be fantastic and everyone you have been listening to sovereign tech carpe luchum i'll see you next time this has been sovereign tech visit us at sovereigntech.com that's S-O-V-R-Y-N tech.com. There you can connect with us, see more of what you've heard on today's show, and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is open source. We encourage you to share. Later, nerds. Nerds.